Welcome to Zen Bites, where we blend ancient wisdom and business continuity, empowering mindful entrepreneurs to create a CX-focused Zen lifestyle business. Well, welcome Zen Masters. This week's topic is transitioning from a toxic environment without derailing your career. And we have a special guest, Courtney Bryant. Now, Courtney is a career coach who helps high achievers make the transition to happy high achiever. So, Courtney, share with us your journey to becoming a career coach for high achievers. Sure, Shane. And first of all, thanks so much for inviting me onto the podcast. And if I think about my journey to becoming a career coach for high achievers, the reason that I love working with people who are high achievers, which is most of your audience, I would think, or who identify that way, is because that's that's been my identity myself, right? So I was a driven kid, as I'm sure many of your listeners were, really focused on school, being top of my class, getting into a high, a, a good university, a great business school, going after the jobs that I wanted. And that was, you know, it went pretty well for a while. But then my first job out of business school, my late 20s, I was working for a, a big top three management consulting firm in New York City. And I hit my first big roadblock, which I find that all high achievers do at at some point or another. And I was in a challenging place. I had a, I was on a project that was not set up to succeed. The piece of work that I was given, I I wasn't set up to succeed on either. I had a, what uh, many would describe as a a toxic boss on that project. And I, I didn't do well. I lost my confidence. I lost my career mojo. And while I was able to turn that situation around somewhat, I realized, you know, this this isn't the job for me. I'm certainly not going to be a, a happy high achiever in in this situation. And so I I went out. I, uh, you know, I kind of helped myself regain my confidence. I did a job search, which I'm happy to talk about uh, what, what my approach is. It's the approach I now use with my with my clients and ultimately landed several job offers in the city that I actually wanted to be in versus the city that I felt I should be in for the quote unquote right job um, and moved into a new role. And then after that point, colleagues, uh, former business school classmates, started reaching out to me saying that I'd made the pivot. And these were folks who were certainly by any measure high achievers, but they were they weren't happy. And many of them had lost their confidence. They'd lost their mojo a way that in a similar way to how I'd lost mine. So I started I started coaching people informally and then that grew and grew. So at, at the meantime, or I'm sorry, at the same time, I was progressing in my own career. I'd been working for a Fortune 200 company in Philadelphia where I still live now. Um, promoting up through leading uh, a team in the U.S. and having an international team added on. So I was pretty busy in my career. I had this this drive to to start a career coaching company to really get to work with with the folks that I was working with a little bit on the side. But just something had to give. I couldn't do both. So in the beginning of 2018, I gave notice at my company after about a year of thinking it over. I went and traveled for a little while and then came back and launched Happy High Achievers. So I've been working with clients, high achieving career coaching clients full-time ever since then. Nice, nice. So you walk the walk and now you're teaching others how to walk the walk. Absolutely. So can you describe a happy high achiever? Sure. So Shane, the way that I think about it is this, you know, a happy high achiever is somebody who finds fulfillment in their work. 
Uh, it's not, they're not just doing work that they're good at, but they're doing work that they truly enjoy that helps them learn that they most of the time really enjoy doing. A happy high achiever also isn't just successful in work, but in life. Um, it's somebody who is not only focused on what they're doing professionally, but making sure that they have that fulfillment in the rest of their life as well, and that they'll be able to look back on their life and feel good about the decisions that they made and that they weren't just, you know, chalking up accolades along the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And as a career coach, um, do you sometimes like partner with headhunters? Yeah, so great question. So, and I assume um, for this part, we're talking about the uh, the job search career change piece of what I do as a career coach. I work with folks in that capacity as well as in a leadership development in role. But in the in the job search career pivot side of things, I do not work with recruiters or headhunters. I have a uh, more of a teach teach a person to fish philosophy, and um, so I'll speak to kind of what my approach is in a minute. Um, I do always say, hey, if the job or the opportunity sounds interesting, go ahead and take the call. I say that to my clients, but I think it's important not to rely on recruiters or headhunters for potential new job opportunities. And so this is where my philosophy differs from conventional wisdom a bit. So conventional wisdom, right, is, hey, I go on LinkedIn or Indeed or wherever I see what job is posted and I apply to those. And I really don't like that approach for two main reasons. The first is that the best roles are often filled informally by the hiring manager through their professional network, their extended network, before the HR process gets off the ground. So when you know a job searcher sees a posting, often it's not necessarily quote unquote real. And that can be very much the case too with when the recruiter is reaching out. The job, there may be people coming through the hiring manager's extended network. And so by the time you come in through the more conventional path, there's already a queue of people who are being interviewed and the person who will get the job often comes from there. And that's why you so often hear people complain about, oh, you know, I applied to all these jobs or a recruiter reached out to me and then they ghosted me and nothing ever came of it. So that's one big reason why I don't like that conventional path. And then the second, almost even more important reason is that when you're going off of the job postings out there or what a headhunter or recruiter is sharing with you, you're letting other people define the available universe of opportunities for you. So if you don't do that, what do I prefer instead? What I love to do, what I have my clients do is we start with what you're looking for first. So what do you value? What are the attributes that are most important to you in your next role, your next company, the culture of that company, the boss? So we identify those criteria that matter most. And then we use that to build a list of target companies. So instead of saying, hey, where does there happen to be a posting now for a job that may or may not already have been filled, we go the other route. We say, hey, where would I really love to work? And then we go through the process of you know, positioning you really well, um, reaching out, having conversations with people in that company, and learning about opportunities as they come out within you know, within those companies of interest. So that's why my my philosophy is really much leaning into, hey, what do what do you as a as a candidate, as a person, as a professional, what are you looking for versus what's just coming to you? But again, I always say, hey, if it's of interest, absolutely take the call and you never know what might happen. Just don't rely on it. Right, right, exactly. The hidden job market. Exactly. Yeah. And so what advice would you give, say, um, a high achiever who finds themselves in one of those toxic environments? Yeah, Sheen. So, you know, honestly, it's it's get out. Um, 
<laughs> if you are in an environment that truly feels toxic to you, it's unlikely that the situation is really going to turn around. And whether that's because of how you've been positioned, um, the perception that that uh, the environment has of you, the people in that environment have of you, even if it's not true, or the way that they interact with you, whatever the case may be, whatever's making it toxic, it's not that likely to change. But what it is likely to do is to chip away at your confidence, chip away at your happiness, chip away at your fulfillment, um, and you know, even potentially have mental health ramifications for you. So I say, honestly, get out and carve out some time to work on that job search to make a change because you deserve to be in a supportive, safe environment. You deserve to be in a professional environment where you can learn and grow and where you can do your best work. And I don't know anybody who's able to do their best work when their environment is toxic. So that's that's really what I would say, although happy to dig into any aspect of that uh, if you would like to. So get out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and say, for instance, they, they choose to get out to leave and they're interviewing for other positions with other employers. Mm-hmm. How do you explain that, um, that question that comes up? Why are you leaving tactfully? Yeah, this is a great question. So the advice that I would give here is two things. So first, find some positive things that you can say about what you learned from that employment situation, from that role. There's always something that we learn from every situation, right? No matter how bad it is. And obviously you need to frame it positively, but then really lean into what's so exciting to you about this opportunity, right? Control the narrative, pivot and so you can start with, you know, I, I learned so much from X, X, Y role. I really had a great opportunity with this project, right? Showcase your accomplishments and then really lean into why you're so excited about the opportunity. And that's really hard to argue with and it will make a positive impression on the person who's interviewing you. Okay. Yeah. So pivot. Nice. And what are some resources that you recommend for someone who, um, finds themselves in a toxic environment, helping them to, I guess, get up the the nerve or the confidence to leave? Absolutely. Great question. So, you know, I do find that effectively managing a toxic environment or situation requires some specificity, meaning that you have to address the challenges that you're uniquely facing in your particular situation. And so by that, I mean, hey, we're going to want to turn to individual people to help versus resources that are written for a broader audience. So a few things to think about there. If you have a mentor in your workplace, a trusted person who you can go to for some advice navigating the situation that you're in, that's safe. That can be a really great move. This person will know the context better than many other people, and they could be well positioned to give you that to give you the advice that you need. If you don't have that kind of a person in in your organization, or if you've already tried it and it hasn't been successful, that's where a coach could be really helpful. Having somebody who is seasoned at helping em- employees, professionals manage topic situations and who can help you look at your unique situation and figure out how to navigate it. But then there's another piece too. Often these situations end up impacting our personal well being. So if you find that the situation is starting to impact, your personal well-being, you're starting to feel depressed or anxious, or you think it's headed in that direction, that's where therapy can be a really valuable tool. So that's something to think about too, is do you need, who do you need in your corner to help you navigate this situation? 
But again, right, this is going to go back to what I said before. Work with these folks, find the people that you need, the support you need, not just to manage the current situation, but to go ahead and make a plan to get out and into a better professional environment and role. So the exception there being, you know, a workplace mentor might not be the person to talk to about the the job change piece of that. You may want to focus on your current, navigating the current situation with a person who works at your same organization, unless you know they're really a trusted individual. But but in general, really having that that two-pronged strategy. How can I effectively deal with the situation I'm in now so that I'm not suffering, so that I'm having the best outcome and the best experience of it as possible, given that we know it's not a great set of circumstances? And then importantly, how can I also work on making a change so that this isn't the situation that I'm still in in four months or six months down the road? Right, right. Yeah. Okay. So learning how to navigate the, the waters where you are right now and at the same time making your plan to transition. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And the, our, the Zen masters here, they, we like to read a lot. So <laughs> the next question is, well, what are three books that you recommend and why? Yeah, so I love this question, Shane. So I think I'll I'll give you kind of an answer in three different categories. So the first book I'd recommend is The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. And for anyone who's not familiar with Gretchen Rubin, she's absolutely a happy high achiever. So she was a Supreme Court clerk who, even though she, you know, gotten basically the most desirable job you can get at that point, said, Hey, this isn't actually what I wanted to do. She pivoted her career. She became a professional writer. She's now sold millions of copies of her books. And so this particular research project that she did, The Four Tendencies, characterizes people based on how we respond to outer and inner expectations, and then allows people to use the framework to help the reader make better decisions and achieve their goals with less stress and less burnout. So she has four different categories that you might fall into, upholder, questioner, obliger, and rebel. And if you don't want to read the whole book, although, you know, I do recommend it, there's a free short quiz online that Gretchen has that is also very helpful. So I actually have every client that I work with take that quiz so I understand how to best support them in achieving their goals. So that's a great resource to check out, whether you want to just do the quiz or whether you want to dive into the whole book. So the second book I recommend is, I, you know, given the name of your show, you may have had this recommended before and some readers may have read it, but if not, Definitely a strong recommendation for me. And that's The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Oh, my favorite book. Okay. So you, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir, right? Um, and so listeners have probably heard about this from you already. Um, but if you haven't, right, there's so much peace and joy to be, you know, to experience by living in the present. And The Power of Now is actually a very practical guide for becoming more present and more aware. And if you've tried reading it before and haven't gotten into it, it might be worth revisiting it. I remember years ago, the first time I picked it up, I didn't get into it. I stopped shortly after I started. But then when I returned to it later in my life, I found it incredibly powerful. And I've now read it several times. And actually, I should probably reread it again. I'm a newish mom, and I would probably come to it from from a different angle. So that's that's definitely a strong recommendation from me. Um, And then the third category to me is escaping into fiction. You know, if you are struggling with a toxic environment, or even if you're just, you know, you're high achievers, you listen to Shane's podcast, I find that that is, at least for me, one of the best ways to just get off of a screen, truly have that feeling of escape and frankly, joy. So 
Um, I'm currently reading a book that's absolutely captivating me. It's called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Some other books over the past several years that have just really had that feeling of escape and, and being hard to put down, which I love, are The Alice Network by Kate Quinn, Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman, and Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. So finding fiction that you love and just diving in an escape, uh, that's more of a category than a book recommendation, but hopefully a few of those are are appealing to listeners. Great list. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and where can um, the Zen Masters find you? Where can they connect with you? Yeah, so the best place is my website, happyhighachiever.com. So a few resources on there just to call out in case you're of, it's of interest is there's articles on a wide range of career-related topics under the blog section of my website. There's a link to schedule a free strategy call with me under the coaching tab if um, you know you would love to have a conversation about your career goals. And then finally, there's uh, links to join my newsletter where I write about a range of career considerations and ways to become a happier high achiever. And that goes out every other week. And of course, there's you know, a way to contact me as well if you want to just send a note. I always love to connect with new folks and you know, have career conversations. It's a topic I'm, I'm really passionate about. And then you can also find and follow me on LinkedIn or Instagram by searching Happy High Achiever if those are platforms that you like to spend time on. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Courtney. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for joining me today. And to the Zen Masters, I look forward to next week. Until then, stay clear, focused, and on purpose. Thanks for listening to Zen Bites, where we just blended ancient wisdom and business continuity, empowering you to create a CX-focused Zen lifestyle business. 